I don't take everyone into my programs because of that, because I'm not going to just sell someone something where A, I'm not going to get them a result and that I can't help transform their romantic life. Sick of sacrificing or settling in your romantic life? Welcome to Make Him Wonder with Coach Paula Grooms, where women struggling in real relationships ask the expert. Unscripted, unfiltered, understandable coaching conversations to help passionate women succeed in love. Hi there, and welcome to Make Him Wonder. I'm your host, Coach Paula, a dating and relationship coach, licensed social worker, and author of the book, Why Won't He Commit? How a Man Decides to Make You the One. And today I'm going to be talking to a woman who her guy decided to make her the one many years ago. Hi, Connie. Hi, Paula. How are you? So excited to be here. Connie Whitman, I'm so excited to have you uh, because we're going to be talking about your eclipse of a marriage. I'm going to get into that. But I want to tell all my listeners here that Connie Whitman is an international speaker and influencer known for her high energy, passionate, and enthusiastic approach to teaching and coaching. Connie Whitman helps ambitious entrepreneurs, leaders, and sales teams build powerhouse organizations to achieve wildly outrageous goals. Oh my goodness. (laughs) So as a speaker and influencer, Connie's inspired teaching and transformational tools and content ensures entrepreneurs and salespeople grow their revenue streams. So if you are in a, an entrepreneurial space, this is definitely for you to listen up, but also this is a, a podcast on being an eclipse. And what I love about Connie's story, and we're going to get into that, is that she kind of made the eclipse for herself. And that's what I really want to hear about. Connie is CEO of Whitman & Associates, LLC, for the past two decades. And she just launched a new book, ESP, Easy Sales Process, Seven Steps to Sales Success. So welcome, Connie, again, and how are you? I'm great, Paula. Thank you. Really, thank you for having me on. I just, uh, I love podcasts. I, you know, I have my own podcast, but I think that um, sharing information is so vital today, especially for women. Absolutely. We're in this together. Yeah, we're in this together. So as a radio show host um, of Enlightenment of Change, uh, tell me about that. What is that? So it's um it's it's really a show about change because i think in life inevitably sometimes we choose the change in our whatever our path is that we're on sometimes unfortunately change is thrown at us illness uh you know death in families and stuff like that loss of jobs so my show we talk and i have brilliant brilliant thought leaders around the world that come on and we talk about how to navigate change to be you know in a graceful manner so that we don't feel like we're always trudging uphill um, to make whatever that change is that's that's happening in our lives just to make it easier um, and to come out the other end stronger and better i love that because you know change is inevitable happens and it's one of the most difficult things I find for everyone to deal with, but it's so, you know, it's just part of life. It's fascinating that it is so difficult to deal with and that we expect things to stay the same and they just don't. They're always in, right? (laughs) And it's funny because most people are not equipped to deal with change. So I would say maybe 20% of our population change comes and they're like, all right. And they kind of, go with the flow and they're able to navigate, which, which seems seamless for them. 80% of the world change is something that's almost horrifying for some and others where they're just daunted and they don't know how to move forward. So that's why we see a lot of people getting stuck. And why do you think that is? Why do you think the 80% and the 20%? And it's, it's interesting. You have that statistic. Is that like out there in the, in the world known, like it's 80, 20 or that's your feeling? 
Um, I would say it's my gut feeling, but in my life, 80-20 is usually how it rolls. Yeah, it, right? It, it, yeah, it, um, <laughs> it's so weird. It's so weird that that 80-20 rule uh, really exists. But I would say those 20% are just those dynamic kind of people who take charge, control, they're fearless. Um, everybody's not like that. And then, you know, you have, it, it's like the, um, remember when you were a kid, we would learn the um, the curve. What do you call it? The um, Oh, the bell curve? The bell curve, thank you. Mm-hmm. So you have those, that 20% that just rock it all the time, kind of don't care, and just keep picking up their bootstraps and moving forward. Mm-hmm. Then you have that, that middle 60% where fear becomes really debilitating, um, and sometimes we don't have the resources at our fingertips to move forward with whatever the change is that's thrown at us. So it's fear. I, I think it's mostly fear-driven. And then you have the bottom 20% who, and, and you, you know it, it's family, people in your family, people living on the street, they just can't, they just can't get hold of the change and navigate it at all. But the bell curve is really that 60% in the middle and it's fear. It's fear driven. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I totally get that. And certainly I'm thinking while you're talking about that, I'm thinking about myself, of course, which we all do. Every time someone's talking about something, we think about ourselves in that way. That's always the first go-to place. And then I also think about my clients and dealing with change, especially in relationships, is so difficult for the 60% that I'm usually talking to. Occasionally, I'll have a client in that 20% who she's just ready to go and she rockets, you know, from A to B to Z in no time at all. But that's not the the general, like the norm, like you're saying, most people, I agree, are in that 60 to 80 percent. It's a very interesting uh, take on it. I, I love it. I'm so glad. So glad you yeah. found value in that. Yeah. Yeah. So I want to talk about, first of all, your business and you host the show Enlightenment of Change. That's on, uh, where, where can people find that? So it's on webtalkradio.net. And if they uh, if they if they just Google Connie Whitman on LinkedIn or Facebook, you'll find me and I post the show every Monday so they don't have to go crazy looking for enlightenment of change. It's on iTunes. I'm on iHeart. I'm on all of those platforms as well. So the show is enlightenment of change. And I'm the host, obviously, Connie Whitman. Right. Wonderful. And that's Whitman with W.H.I.T.M.A.N. You got it. Right. So how long have you been doing that, by the way? That's interesting. I've been doing it almost seven years. And um, when the show started, the owner of WebTalk uh, sent me an email. And, you know, I, I think as women, maybe we're skeptical. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, right. I think we, we're always on high alert for being taken advantage of. Right. I, I don't know if that's a female thing or not, but that's I'm always on high alert. So I received this email and I'm thinking, yeah, I'm getting punked or it's a scam and, you know, it's nonsense. But I responded to the email uh, saying, because I'm curious, I'm thinking, all right, let, give me more information on this. And it was legit. So I asked him in one of my emails, like, why did you pick me? I've never hosted anything. You know, I'm, I'm an expert in sales, but okay. And he mm-hmm. liked my vibe because I was always a working mom. And because I was a woman, woman who owned a business, um, I'm in my, actually in my 20th year at the time I was, you know, six, 14 years in. So, um, I was a woman owned business and he liked my vibe because I'm all about mind, body, and spirit as well. So I do a real nice job, Paula, of, of kind of having one foot in that spiritual realm of mm. mind, body, spirit. And then I have that one foot. I'm, I'm in corporations. I deal with corporate clients and entrepreneurs. So you're in business and you're spiritual and you're in business with sales, teaching people how to increase revenue. So he mm. was impressed that I blended the two um, really nicely. So that was kind of that was a nice compliment as well. That's really incredible. I find that more and more, you know, being in this space myself of being an entrepreneur and also working with the heart that I do, right, in terms of women's relationships, but I also have to stay in business and I have to be aligned with the value I bring, but the sales stuff, it's, it's a very... Uh, I think you have to be very centered and what you're talking about I think is really, really important for anyone in sales. We all feel that, you know, when somebody's trying to sell us and they don't care. It's horrifying. 
it, right. It, it, right. It's horrifying, if, especially when you're trying to speak about your business and you're coming from this place of care and help. And, you know, you have people out there, unfortunately, that it's the slam, bam, thank you, ma'am, which to me is disgusting. And that I have never in 37 years um, ever sold that way. And, you know, Paul, I started out in insurance. I was a kid. And every time I went literally to people's homes, (laughs) sat at the kitchen table (laughs) and, you know, you examined cash flow and, and I cared and I treated them as if they, as, as if they were my family, because I always thought, you know, I pay it forward, right? If someone is trying to help my mom or dad or at the time my, my grandparents were alive and I have a ton of aunts and uncles and siblings and I have a huge, I'm Italian, so I have a huge Italian family. And I always took it from the perspective of if this was my aunt or this was my sibling or this was, you know, a family member and, and someone was selling something to them, I hope that they would do good by my family. So, you know, I was raised with integrity and humility and work hard and, and all of those things, but I was raised in a very kind and loving environment. So, and now this is going to sound goofy to all of your listeners, but I truly sell from love. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, and I think when you start and you always sell with, from your heart and genuineness, you'll never ever still steer anyone wrong. And that authenticity is felt by the clients. And that's how you just, catapult yourself into more success but you have to understand how to communicate so that people realize that you're when you're coming from a place of fear um you're not at your best you're not going to sell at your best so we we have to find you said it you have to center yourself from that heartfelt place and communicate with love but also get your point across as to how you can help the person right make them move from point a to point b Yes, for me, it is so, so true. And, you know, I'm a social worker by trade. So there is that whole feeling of, you know, I'm a helper. And going into sales, it's been an interesting because there is a component of sales because I'm in a business. And Correct. I'm in a, yes. So it's, but I, I don't take everyone into my programs because of that, because I'm not going to just sell someone something where a, I'm not going to get them a result and that I can't help transform their romantic life. For me, I have to stay in that space because that is what makes me feel the best about myself, my business and the giving and heart centered space of being the social worker in, in a way. It's just, Absolutely. Yeah. So I want to get into a bit about uh, your interesting romantic life. And before yes. we came on, you were telling me a bit about that. And I said, wait, 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 wait. You have to tell that <laughs> on the air, right? Because uh, it's so interesting because you have a bit of an eclipse. I'm going to say women who listen to me know what I mean by that. An eclipse of a marriage, meaning that it is something not the typical and not the norm and sounds like you're one very lucky woman in that way about your marriage, but that you also manifested that in a way. I want to get into that. So tell us about your, how you met uh, your, tell me everything you you said when we started out, you were telling me about before you were married and your six year relationship, et cetera. Sure. So in my late teens into twenties, you know, while I was in college, I had a boyfriend for six years. But I knew intuitively that he wasn't the one, that we were not going to be good together long term. So after six years, we do break up. And I was at that time, I was going, I was working full time, going to school at night for an MBA. So very busy life. And dating was kind of just a hassle. So I said to you, and I used this kind of a yucky word, but uh, the dating cesspool (laughs) was awful. But, you know, you're out there and and you're dating. And um, so I did that for a number of years. And I reached the point. And again, just remember, I come from this very, very Italian household. You know, my dad came here off the boat. And I went home one night and I said to my mom, I was probably about 28 years old. And I said, you know what? I've made a very, very important decision. I'm done dating. Um, I certainly don't need a man to fulfill me. I have, I'm, you know, I'm almost done with my MBA. I had quite a bit of money saved because I, you know, I work hard and, and I've always made good money and I'm, I'm going to buy a house and I'm going to adopt a child, but I'm certainly never going to get married. I need a kid, but I don't need the man. My mother, I thought was going to have a heart attack. And she's like, what are you talking about? And talk to my sisters, talk to your sister. She's losing her mind. You know, that whole 
component. And but I really had made that decision, Paula, where I, I just couldn't do it anymore. I was I was just done with the effort of dating these men who were just not a good partner for me. And I, I knew that. So that was that. So then I, I sat down one day and at the time I was I was not aware of law of attraction. Um, I, I didn't know any of those things, right? I, I didn't know about spirituality. Mm -hmm. So this was a very intuitive thing for me now when I look back, but it, it was a pivotal moment as well. So I sat down and I wrote a list of what did I want, if I was going to ever get married or find the man that I couldn't, even if I didn't get married, but, you know, spend a life with, what did he have to have that were non-negotiables for me? And what were the things that I really, uh, the pros and the cons, right? So I sat down and I wrote this list of all the wonderful qualities of humor and good communication and a partner and love and all those things. And then all the things I didn't like, a gambler, a heavy drinker, you know, a drug user, whatever it was, I made my list. And I would say two months later, I ended up um, getting a, a job where I thought I was going to one location and they didn't have a position for me. And I ended up going to a different location, which, you know, I was quite kind of annoyed at. Um, and then that's, that's ultimately where I ended up meeting my husband. So that first piece of manifestation needed to happen that I didn't get the job in the one location and they, they put me in, in a different office. So Everything happens kind of, for a reason, right? I truly, and, and I know everybody listening, you guys all have the same exact type of, of story or synchronicities that ha have happened in your life. We just have to really reflect and find them. And I think that helps us continue to manifest whatever we're trying to create every day, right? That, that's kind of the name of the game. Mm -hmm. So uh, that, was, that was it, you know, the cesspool dating, making that decision, not getting married, adopt a kid, buy a house, I'm, I'm independent, I can rock this on my own. Um, making that list and then, again, how this job happened. Now, do you want me to, to talk further? Or would you like to ask me questions? I don't want to rattle on. <laughs> <laughs> no, I love it. Yeah, I can tell you are a talk show host, right? Yes. yes. And that's the beauty, yes. So so what I'm interested in, and, and I think for value for everybody, is you said you were six years with this man uh, that you dated, I guess, from high school? Um, yeah, I had just, I actually just entered college. I was like 17 or 18 when I entered college. So it was really, I just, I just started at Rutgers University. Got it. So you said you knew you weren't going to marry him. And how, what was it? Or how did you know that? What, you know, tell us about that. Because that's an interesting thing. Because I think if you really hook into that, uh, everybody when, when we hook into that, if we listen to that and don't maybe spend as much time with it, <laughs> you know, it's right. Um, but, but tell me about your experience with that. So going to school and I always, I always worked full time and kind of went to school full time. And then, you know, again, working and then going to school at night. So he was convenient, and I, I knew he was convenient. It was comfortable. Um, there wasn't an effort with it. But the reason I knew I wouldn't marry him, um, he had a bit of a short temper, and I, I, I've never been uh, spoken to in a disrespectful manner from family. So I knew that, yeah, I'm not going to be able to take that. That that He was borderline for me where – um, don't, don't speak to me in a disrespectful manner. He was trying to control me to some extent. Um, like I would say, Hey, after class, I'm going to go out with my friends and, and have a drink right. You know, after school. Mm -hmm. Um, and he would try to control me why I shouldn't go. And I'm a control freak myself. So oftentimes <laughs> I said, you know, I, you know, I hear you, but yeah, I really, I'm going to go anyway. So I, I kind of stood my ground. Um, also his family, they were lovely but a tremendous amount of divorce um, from his siblings uh, and, and just divorce all, all around him. And my family, from my parents to my grandparents to all of my aunts and uncles on my mom and dad's side, there was no divorce. So that was an anomaly for me to experience like ex-wives and kids and, and all of that. So from a value standpoint, um, 
there was definitely not, we were not on the same page for our values. I knew again, it was, I think it was more intuitive than intellectually knowing or understanding, but the values we were, we were definitely off or out of, out of kilter. But um, he was also a little younger than me, but maybe two years. So I thought, ah, maybe it's a maturity thing, but I definitely made the decision that again, at the end of the six years, um, it, it, we reached a crossroads where he wasn't giving me what I needed and the freedom I needed because I was so busy. I couldn't cater to him and all of his woes and needs. Needs, And, and the last thing was he wasn't ambitious enough. Not that I need somebody who's going to make out, make, you know, go out and make a million dollars, but he, you know, didn't want to go back to school. He had part-time job, not a full-time job. And here I'm working full time going to school, you know, this whole um, level of insanity of always busy. So his lack of motivation also bothered me. And it's it's an interesting thing, because I think what I'm picking up and I did this as well. And I think it's very valuable for women to do this. We cannot necessarily go with our heart in in marriage and I mean mm-hmm. it has to be a little bit of both but mm-hmm. marriage is the biggest decision one of the biggest if not the biggest a woman can make in her life because if you marry the wrong person right off the bat and have children with them you could you can hurt your life to such a degree that it, it can't recover sure. you know without like tremendous work or you can do yourself a really big favor and have a wonderful life. So decision-making in it, no matter your heart, is really, really valuable for women. And men do this. See, men make decisions, and they live by their decisions. I always say women live by their emotions. Men live by their decisions. And if we take anything from men, if we can learn anything from men, which mostly they're learning from us, but if we can True. learn anything from them – it is, despite what you feel, go with what is a good decision. And it sounds like, you know, you, you did that to a great degree. And then you met this wonderful man had been married for a very, very long time. Tell us how that happened. So synchronicity didn't get the job in the one location. I was put in another office. And there were, I, I knew no one in this office. And, and it, it was funny because it was 40, it was a sales office for insurance. It was 43 men and me. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah it was. How it nice. Uh, <laughs> yes, let me tell you. It was, you know, they were little girl, the older, you know, it was, it, they were very condescending. It, but I'm tough. So I went right back at them. But anyway, the, the, my peers that were my age, um, they were real nice guys that I worked with. And of course, we became friends. And my husband would come in to meet them and then they would go out and go back to their so who's ever house and watch movies, et cetera. So he was five years younger than me. So I, I was, was attracted to him because he was such a nice guy, but I thought five years just, to, just broke up with the two, I had two years prior broken up with the, uh, the, the guy that I had dated for six years. That was two years younger than me. And how no old? Way. Ahead, I'm sorry. And how old were you at the time? I was 28. He was probably about 24. So think about that. That's a big gap, ladies. <laughs> and yeah, so I thought, yeah, I'm attracted to this guy, but he's a baby. There's like, there's no way I'm getting involved. When you're young like that, the, the difference is vast. You know, between a 28-year-old woman, yes, and a 23-year-old guy, yes. But yeah. as you grow older, it's much less and less and less and less. True. That's true. So, So that was... I was like, oh, guy's too young. Forget about it. But we, he would talk. He would always come in and come over to me, and we'd talk, and then they would leave. I would continue to work, yes, because that's all I do is work. And they, there was a wedding. Uh, their peers were having a wedding, one of, their, one of their friends. But by this time, I had known all of the guys that were invited and their, their girlfriends. So we, we would go out as groups and stuff like that. So my husband's name is Rob. He called me one day and said, hey, listen, um, we have this wedding, which I had known about. Would you come? Because I, and he said, I don't have to worry about you. You know everybody, and I think we'll just have a really good time. I said, I'd love to. That'd be great. Yeah, it'd be fun to hang out with everybody. So fast forward, two days later, he calls me and says, hey, you want to do something Friday or Saturday night? And me, I, I'm, I'm naive and to some extent. And I, I said, oh, who's going? And he was like, uh, you and me. 
So it was a date date. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't realize, right? So we went on the date and um, we had just a great time. And then we went on another date. He said, I just wanted to get to know you more personally before we were in the car alone. And then at this wedding, you know, sitting together, my husband's a very, uh, very gentlemanly. So I thought that was kind of cute. Well, on our second date, Paula, I really understood who he was. And I thought, he needs to marry me. Like, together, we are a force to be reckoned with. So this is no joke, ladies. On our second date, we hadn't even gone to the wedding yet. Um, I said to him, and I am a very, at this point now, late 20s, I had no time to waste. I was busy. I was, you know, looking to buy a home at that time, thinking about adopting. I mean, my, my path had been set. And so I said to him, here's the deal. This was literally the conversation. Here's the deal. Um, I said, you should marry me. And I'm not saying tomorrow. I'm in no rush. I don't care. Um, I have my path set. But together, I think we can accomplish some really great things. And if you choose not to continue to to see me after the wedding or you choose, you know, not to pursue a relationship with me, I'm telling you right here, right now, it's your loss. (laughs) And he didn't (laughs) run away, Paula. (laughs) All right. Okay. So, yep. yeah, I, I had reached the point, I think, in my life where I had just, after the dating cesspool, I, I just couldn't waste any more time on nonsense. So I, and I said to him, I'm always blunt. I will always be honest with you. Sometimes I should filter it more. Um, call me out on that. But I will never, ever play games. I will never manipulate you. If I have something to say, I'll say it. And I said, if you start manipulating or playing games with me, it, I, I I have no time for that. So he went home and he, he told me later, he thought, I think she's crazy that <laughs> this checks out of her mind. Right. Went, yeah. Cause that was pretty aggressive of me, but I was at a yeah, point second I, date. I would say so. Right. Yeah. Cr- <laughs> crazy. Yeah. Middle name crazy. But I think I was just at a point in my life where I was um, intolerant to wasting time on nonsense and games. And I, I made the decision I could certainly be alone. I had a wealth of family and friends around me that loved me that I, I would be okay. And again, this is a 28 year old thinking lady. So keep that in mind. Exactly. Right. Yeah. But we continued to date and within, we didn't even know each other two years and we did get married and that we just had our 28th uh, wedding anniversary. Congrats. Congrats. Yeah. That's wonderful. Yeah. And you have two children. I have two grown, uh, one a junior in college, 20, and a 23-year-old just graduated and um, is looking for a job. Yep. Ah, uh, right. Two great and kids. I, you know, my take on that is, is I, and thank you for that story because I think it's it's so fun to hear it. And, and it's really, what a great story, too, that you, you guys have, right? Mm-hmm. A question I have is how did the two years of dating happen after you said that to him? Because he must have gone home, like you said, and he, it happened that he said, this, this girl's crazy. How did he continue and how did your dating trajectory go from that second date where you just laid it on the line like that to him proposing two years later? How did that go? So it's interesting. We, we just, everything matched with us. It was easy uh, to be together. So we just, you know, if, if, if I got out of work earlier in the evening, I would drive to his house and hang out with him or, um, you know, we made plans that we, we became kind of inseparable because any free time I had, cause I was, I was busy um, and he was working full time at the time. So um, yeah, we became inseparable, but it was interesting, you know, through the years talking about that moment and his own reflection he had come out of a relationship where the young lady, and he was out of a relationship also for about two years. So there was no rebounding here as well, I think, um, which should be noted. But he had dated uh, a woman for a young lady for a couple of years, uh, probably two years he dated her. She was all about manipulation and games and would twist him. And, and it, it was difficult. It was a difficult relationship. He felt insecure all the time. And with me, he always felt secure because if I thought something, I would tell him if he mm-hmm. did something that hurt him, you know, I, I would, I would be, I wouldn't be rude because I loved him, you know, and I really cared about him. So I would say, you know, you did this. I just want you to understand how that impacted me. Wonderful. And it, you know, it's not fair. And, and I would mm-hmm. always tell him if I do or say anything, cause I know I lack a filter at times, 
you know, call me out. I won't get mad. And, but you have to help me grow again. And I kept going back to him and saying, we are the yin yang, my weaknesses. And I don't like to use the weaknesses, the things that were my blind spots he thrived in and were natural to him and the things that were his blind spots, it it was natural to me. So that compliment I think is where we um, thrive together, but he had come out of manipulation and I will never manipulate anyone. If I need your help, I will say, listen, you no pressure. You can't do it. Say, no, this is my situation. And can you help me out? Because manipulation is ridiculous. Playing games. Did you grow up in New York city? I grew up in Newark, New Jersey. Oh, okay. But the same kind of, it's very, you know, Northeastern in that way. Totally. Like, uh, the yeah, because I'm exactly that. And the the wonderful thing people say, New Yorkers are, are rude and, you know, uh, br- brash and whatever. Mm-hmm. No, we're just, we're going to tell you the real deal. Correct. Not, yes. And, and, and when we do it in a kind way with men, like you're talking about, in a soft feminine way, but we actually state exactly how we're feeling, that's gold. And men take to that like they take to nothing else. It's how we say things, not what, right? It's, It's how we say something, but stating our truth our value system, all of that is so profound, and I, 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 I love it. And so he, he, being a great guy and coming from what you saw he came from, which was that manipulation, which many men do, mm-hmm. he really took to it. He loved it because he knew that there was never a hidden agenda with me, ever. And so he, I think he trusted me quickly because I didn't, I didn't play games, and I trusted him because he didn't play games. He's, he's, um, his mom and dad were born in uh, England, in Britain, and uh, they migrated to Canada. My husband's Canadian, and then they moved to the United States. So he was raised in a very proper, um, again, ironically, no divorce in his family. Even his parents' siblings were not divorced. So that was kind of interesting also, um, but raised in, in, um, to be a, a gentleman and respectful and um, loving. So he was raised, even though it was much, Italians are much warmer and hug and kiss and all that. They were more standoffish, but truly um, raised in another loving environment. And, and again, one of respect. And I think if I had to choose a word for me, it would be respect. I, I, I respect everyone I encounter, no matter who you are, no matter where, what your status in life. It doesn't matter to me. You're a human, and I will respect you as that. But I demand respect in, in return. Mm-hmm. And, so that and was I like that, too, is that you, you pick that word for yourself. Mm-hmm. Res- respect is your word. And we all need to really, for each one of us, uh, have you heard about that? The one word movement. Yes. It, yeah. And I love that because if even if you pick it for the year, what's my word this year? You know, and, and whatever you it comes to you when you really sit and just meditate on that, then that can help drive you. It's the law of attraction. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So you say you built a life and, and business together. Uh, what, what, how did that come about? Like, how did you know, uh, did that, was that in your mind when you made that decision that he was the one? It, that is a great question. No. Yeah. <laughs> Opening a business. It's so funny how, again, I think that everything happens for a reason, right? And we're on a path, good or bad. It, it is what it is. But we were married, and I, at that point, I had a one-year-old and a four-year-old, and um, the, I worked for a bank. And I had been with the bank about 13 years, senior vice president, and you know, I'd worked my way up. I, at that time, I was 39 years old, and the bank got uh, bought out, merged. It was major merger mania in the 90s. And um, the bank that purchased us, from a val- see, again, a value standpoint, uh, they were not customer service-driven. And my clients are my people and I'm protective so that they were non-customer service. I uh, came home after it was announced and I said to my husband, this bank, you know, purchased us and I don't want to work for them. And he's like, okay, so, you know, what's your, I always have a plan. What's your plan? And I said, um, I, I, I think I need more control because 
um, at the time banks were merging left and right. I said, you know, we have these little ones, we have the mortgage and these mergers, um, you know, this downsizing is happening inevitably. So I went back and, and he said, okay, what do you want to do? I go, I want to get fired. <laughs> Again, my husband deals with crazy well. I want to get fired. And then he said, okay, what do you want to do? And I said, I want to open my business. Now, I just want everybody to understand. I, I would classify myself as a calculated risk taker. I, I'm not afraid of risk and I'm not afraid of change, but it's calculated. My pros and cons list, remember. So um, about five years before this merger happened where I decided that I wanted to walk away from, from a corporate life and having a business, I had created a business plan. I knew what I wanted to do, and so I had created it. Manifestation. Again, at the time, I didn't realize I was creating my own manifestation. So fast forward, the five years went by, got bought out, went to HR. They gave me a, a package. So I had a 13-month package of my salary, and then um, – I was able to open my business. So I said to my husband, if in six months I can't get a client to pay my, my portion of the bills, I'll just go and get another job, right? Because then I had another seven months after that. Um, and I never looked back. And this year is my 20th year in business. Congrats. But I just, can I, thank you so much. And I, can I just comment one more thing? Um, again, that he was the right man for me. When I said to him, with two babies at home, you know, and, and having a mortgage, and, New, you know, for those of you that don't know New Jersey, everything is expensive. We had quite a large mortgage. And um, when I said to him, I wanted to get fired and I wanted to own my own business, and he is risk adverse, my husband, by nature. And this was, Paul, I swear to God, this was his response. Excellent. And he goes, don't worry. He says, you'll, you'll make success of that business. Um, he said, like, so you shall have a business was almost his response. See, that goes back to the trust, but he knows I work so hard that failure, especially because I had a family, failure wouldn't have been an option for me. And if mm -hmm. I couldn't make the business, I would have gone and gotten a job. He had faith in me because of that level of trust. Right. Exactly. He, he was the right man for me. Yeah, is the so, right man for me. so wonderful. And, and when I, I want to make a point here about that because so many women are adverse to meeting, going out with younger men. And mm -hmm. uh, I, my first husband was younger. My now husband is much younger. You can't necessarily uh, rule out someone just because of age. Absolutely. And women tend not to do it with older men, but for some reason, and I think it's partly societal, we do it with younger. And sometimes, you know, the cultivating a man who is younger and more open and less, you know, we use the term baggage, right, mm -hmm. or uh, negative experiences uh, with women. And, of course, I, as I always say, men do best in marriage. Once he has made that decision to commit, that's when he is at his best. And you are a great team now. Fantastic. Yeah, and I, if I could just share one more thing, and I don't want everybody to think it's all rosy and wonderful. Um, we've had tremendous ups and downs. And, and marriage, but see, I think because of how he was raised, again, and how I was raised, our values were always in alignment mm -hmm. where it ma our marriage mattered, especially because we had the children. So it was we have to work at this. So we made rules in our marriage and, and not bad way. Like um, if he said something that upset me because I am very quick on the draw and he's more, he has to percolate and think about something before responding. Yep. So if we had an argument, I would rip him apart. I would win every time because <laughs> he, it's, it's not terrible to say, but, but because I'm so fast in my thinking. Yeah. And so early in our, and I knew that about myself. So Early in our marriage, I said to him, it, I promise you, I, I will commit this to you. If you annoy me or I'm annoyed or you hurt me, you have to give me 24 hours. Because if I say something, even if it's said out of anger, I don't truly mean it. But there's an element of truth in it, even though you don't fully mean it. I said, I don't ever want to say something that I can't take back and that does damage little by little. So with his disposition of having to think and write notes so that he could come back and articulate that to me, he needed that time as well. So early on in our marriage, we decided 24-hour rule. Um, we, we simply say to each other, I can't discuss this right now, tomorrow. And we would, we would never go to bed angry with each other, 
just with the rule of we will discuss this further tomorrow. And then I could get, I could calm down. I could get my thoughts together and I could respond to him, see, in a respectful and loving way um, instead of ripping him apart. And he would come back and have to articulate what he was feeling. And the rule was I had to keep my mouth shut <laughs> because I would interrupt an answer at, before he could, uh, you know, get his voice out. So that was an, a rule that we made early on and that served us well. And then really well, yeah, really, really well. And we still live by it today, 28 years later. The other thing, um, I think he and I, you grow apart absolutely as we, as you grow as the individual. And my kids were entering like high school and college was the next step. And people were divorcing around us, our peers a lot. So I remember he and I just, we were driving somewhere and we just had a conversation and I said, I'm afraid. Um, you know, you go to Pathmark, I go to Costco. Um, you take the, my boys played hockey, which was a huge commitment of time on the weekends. So he went with one son. I went with another son. It was divide and conquer, divide and conquer. And we were not Connie and Rob anymore. So, um, I felt like I still loved him, but we were roommates more than, you know, partners. And that was scaring me. So I remember saying to him, I think we have to go to therapy or something because, we may be in trouble once the kids go to college. Are we still compatible? And I don't know the answer to that. And we talked about it and we, uh, we sought out counseling. And it was cute because she was an older woman. And when we sat and explained our situation, um, that we weren't fighting or we weren't, it wasn't um, a bad place. It was just existing. And I didn't want my life to just be existing, right? I'm passionate and I wanted more in my life. And she laughed and she said, people our age where the kids are growing and they're becoming more independent and now going to college and you become an empty nester. Um, it's just you and he and, and he and I, and what do you do? And she gave us exercises to do so we could find our way back to each other. And I, and I just, Paula, you know, you're a social worker by trade. I think therapy is a needed resource at different parts as the individual, as well as a couple, even couples not married, because you don't always know what you don't know. And that person that could look at the situation objectively and give you exercises and how to communicate and, and all of those things, um, because I'm very strong-minded and he's very accommodating at times. So we had to find the balance again. And that therapy, I truly believe, um, saved our marriage. Um, and again, now my son has graduated college. That was about eight years ago. It's wonderful here because what I take away from that is, see, you, you were proactive. Mm-hmm. That's key. Mm-hmm. And you as the woman, and I, I talk about this with my mechanics of men uh, and mechanics of a relationship, you noticed the ping in the relationship car and you mm-hmm. said, hmm, better do something about this before it turns into something major with the engine and mm-hmm. the car breaks down. Mm-hmm. And you did. And that was key. And you were lucky enough to have a, a husband who because of everything you had done heretofore, he trusted you. He trusted that female part of you, right? And he, he accommodated because he's accommodating, which is wonderful as well, which you're very lucky to have. That's a Agreed. great, what, what a great uh, quality uh, for a man to have, right, in that way. However, a lot of men accommodate, but they're uh, – sometimes passive aggressive about it and Correct. that Resentful. is a whole other thing right so um that that we won't get into here but uh, maybe i'll do a podcast on that because i think that's a that can be a male trait because men want to please the woman they love Absolutely. and right so you went you know on this this journey with him and then you got this podcast call and uh did your husband support that too and uh, yeah, and, and and I know we're almost out of time, uh, Paula, but it was funny when I got the email, he's the one who said, responds, what's the worst that can happen? And I said, oh, you're right. You know what? Fear. See, that, that internal, I'm not good enough. Why would he choose me? You know, what, what, could, what do I know mm-hmm. about hosting a show? And, and see, this is, this is important. Um, you ha- the support, I think, when you're at your lowest point is critical, and that 
tro- shows the true person, the core of the person. So after my first recording, and I had signed a contract for a year, because there was some money to get the um, intro and exit and, and commercials and stuff like that recorded on their end. And um, I signed this contract, the first one, Paul was awful. I was so bad. And I remember mm-hmm. calling him in tears saying, I can't do this. Well, who do I think I am? Why did I think I can do this? Mm-hmm. And he, he stopped me in my track. I was in tears and I don't cry. So when, when I cry, he knows, holy crap, she's, she's in a bad place. <laughs> Right. And he said to me, yeah, which was, again, his, he's kind. And he said to me, can I just ask you a question? I'm like, yes. He says, when you first started in insurance, did you know how to sell? I was like, no. And he goes, did people coach you? Yes. Now, do you teach people and coach people? I said, yes. Are you good at it? Yes. Like, you know I am. He goes, okay, this was your first show. They're going to coach you. Do you think you should be perfect out of the gate? And I stopped and I said, you're right. He said, a year from now, let's have the same conversation. And if you still feel you're not good at it, then you walk away. But he said, my gut is you're going to rock this and you're going to knock it out of the park. And Mm -hmm. and we were on the phone. He was at work and and I laughed and I go, okay, you're right. You know, one of those. Mm -hmm. And of course, it's almost seven years later that I have the show and now it's international. And, um, you know, it's hard to book on my show because I'm, uh, the show is so popular. So you know, Wonderful. we need a partner that's the voice of reason from a kindness perspective when we're at our lowest. And I think I think that's an important attribute that I was lucky enough to have in a husband. But I also give that to him, um, which I think is, is also critically important. True. What, what's your biggest message? I know we are out of time. So what is your biggest message you hope listeners, you know, learn from your experience with, with love and business? I, I think um, I wouldn't have been, been able to grow my business if it wasn't for his blind support for me and trust. But I think to build that level of trust and commitment together, you have to really communicate and co- communicate with kindness and love, which is not easy. So maybe implement that 24-hour rule. <laughs> but right. communication, if you can't be honest with each other, the, the demise is inevitable. Thank you so much for that. And and tell us again, because this has been a great conversation. I so appreciate you coming on. I really love hearing your story. Thank and you. And I can't wait to be on your show as well, because yes. well, you're doing wonderful things for, for women and everyone in business, in life, yes. in, in enlightenment of change is the name of the show. And yes. it is, again, at webtalkradio.net, enlightenment of change, correct? Correct. All right, and we we can find you on Facebook.com, Whitman and Associates. Whitman Associates, everything is under Whitman and Associates. Uh, LinkedIn, you just Google Google me, Connie Whitman, you'll find me. Um, email me, it, it, uh, Connie at WhitmanAssociates.com is easy peasy, uh, probably way to find me. So Connie at WhitmanAssociates.com. Great, Connie at Whitman com. You got it. Wonderful. Thank you again for doing this. It's been really absolutely a joy. Paula, thank you so much. And I hope, I really hope your listeners found value and um, I hope I inspire people. That That's another thing I think I'm on this planet to do is to inspire people to embrace change. So thank you so much. It was lovely. It was absolutely lovely conversation. You're amazing. And I can't wait till we do my show with you. <laughs> absolutely. Thank you so much. So what a great conversation. Uh, wonderful to hear great stories of marriage. And again, we know that it's not always a straight line trajectory. People change and uh, growing a marriage through change is what it's all about. And we as the woman have to be the mechanic of the relationship. You know, my metaphorical uh, analogy here about the car and men love cars, know cars. They want to understand cars. They want to talk about cars. They want to talk about the parts of cars, engines, so on and so forth. They deal with that with their guy friends. And we really don't need to understand a car at all. We don't care to. We just want it to look pretty, get in it. It drives well. It works well. It takes us from A to B to C, without problems. And if we try and make the man the mechanic of a relationship, 
he doesn't know about it. He doesn't understand it. He doesn't want to deal with it in the way that we do. And Connie's story was really great because she really took the the steering wheel in her relationship. From the beginning, when she said to him on the second date, you would be a fool not to marry me. <laughs> and uh, she she took the steering wheel there and she obviously through the ups and downs of 37 years. Well, she's been in sales for 37 years. She hasn't been married for 37 years. But for quite a long time, uh, over a you know a 30-year marriage, she has helped keep this relationship on the road and running smoothly, as she talked about, with deciding, hmm, and knowing, that inner knowing of a woman that... The ping is in this car. I'm hearing it. I'm feeling it. I need to take some action on it in a loving female way. And she did. And fortunately, her man followed along in that way because he was committed through marriage. Absolutely. So I hope you got value from this talk today. I certainly did. What a great spirit, right, in in all ways, in marriage and business. Connie has a great spirit. Take a listen to her show. Again, that is Enlightenment of Change on webtalkradio.net. And I look forward to being on her show. In the meantime, if you have not connected with me, I hope that you will on Instagram, Coach Paula Grooms, on Facebook, Polygrooms or Coach Polygrooms. You know, on Facebook, you have to have your personal page and you have to have your business page, but find me there. LinkedIn as well. Love to connect with women on LinkedIn. Please do so. And in the meantime, don't forget, with any man in your life, be sure to make him wonder. Thank you for listening to Make Him Wonder. If you've benefited from today's conversation, please subscribe and share. Connect with Coach Paula at makehimwonder.com. There you can take several relationship evaluations, discover her books and other resources, and find out if one of her personalized coaching programs might be right for you. For commitment from the man you love, take the consumer versus buyer relationship test so you can discover if your man is ready, willing, and able to commit. Go to willhecommit.com. It's fast, free, and you'll get immediate results.